I think there could be many reasons why people say I could never do that. And a lot of the time, it's a backwards compliment. Welcome to What's Her Story, the podcast for ambitious women who are ready to use their story as a catalyst for change. I'm your host, Erica Akingwe, bestselling author, content strategist, and author coach to high-achieving, globally-minded women. I started this podcast because, honestly, I'm nosy. Every time I see a woman shining, living aligned and abundant in life and business, I wonder, ooh, what's her story? I know this. Women who believe in themselves and their story are better equipped to help others transform. So if you're ready to connect over honest conversations and be inspired by other impact-driven women, you're in the right place. Sit back, relax, and welcome to the What's Your Story podcast. What's up, y'all? We are halfway through the year. What? Like how? Like when did this happen? I... I'm just still pinching myself a minute. And it's got me thinking about the self-imposed deadlines we put on ourselves and our dreams and our goals and the limitations that we really put on ourselves. What does having half of 2023 behind us, what does that mean? What are we making it mean? What are we making it mean that we have six months left on the big 2023 goals that we set for ourselves. Does it mean that we are taking steps forward and we have so much time and opportunity? Or are we already dismissing our goals because we quote unquote don't have time, we only have six months left, we can never do it? What are we telling ourselves? Because Our words and our thoughts in our inner dialogue to ourselves are the most powerful things that we have and is the voice that we hear all day, every day. And so really choosing our thoughts wisely and letting them foster the we can do it of our dreams and goals is so important. It's exactly what our conversation today is about. I have a lovely friend here to chat with us about, oh, I could never do that. How many times have you found yourself saying, oh, I could never do that? And maybe it's an admiration of like, wow, she did it. I could never do that. Or maybe it is this limitation that we've said out of habit, I could never do that. So we're going to dive right into this. I'm not even going to prolong this great conversation that I have with Carrie-Anne Pollard. So Carrie-Anne Pollard is a wife, a mom of six children. She's a foster parent, a realtor, author of three volumes of the Foundation of Character curriculum, speaker and consultant. She believes that life is better together. Carrie-Anne values quality time with the one she loves, The Pollard tribe lives a very unconventional life. They are truly a family doing it all together. Homeschooling, work, serving, adventuring, living better together. I've known Carrie-Anne since college. 
and it is just so beautiful to watch her evolve and reinvent herself and blossom into new phases and new seasons. She is just such a beautiful symbol of the reinvention that we all have available to us. The turning, I could never do that into, wow, look what we've done. So I just know that you're going to be so encouraged by this conversation and hope that you can gain a new perspective on the I could never and how to shift into a, hmm, what is possible? What could I do if change my mind about it? and opened up myself to curiosity in the process. So please enjoy my conversation with Carrie Ann Pollard. Welcome to the What's Your Story podcast, Carrie Ann. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This is so exciting to reconnect and catch up. It's been so long. It has. I was thinking about that actually getting ready for this. I'm like, I think we've known each other for like over half our lives now. Yeah, because I mean, being that we're so young, it's quite amazing. (laughs) But like we we go way back and I love how our life stories in general, not just us, but in general, people's life stories can find themselves back, you know, at a crossroads together in connections, whether it's okay, having the same kind of interests or mutual friends or then having kids and then being authors, there's just different ways that our stories reconnect in beautiful ways. So I'm so excited to connect here with everyone else getting to listen in. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing about just how like since college and then just going our own ways and then coming back together not that long. Like, gosh, Adele was just a newborn. And so that was seven years ago. And then kind of going off and then saying, get it to via Instagram. And so it's been really fun to watch the podcast unfold and see that journey that you're on there too. So it's been really great. It's been great. Yeah. I think we had our What's Her Story Facebook Live when I first moved to Florida. So that was 2017. So yeah, it has been a hot minute, but (laughs) social media is beautiful in keeping us like feeling like we're in on each other's lives. So yeah, happy to have you here. And I've already introduced you to the podcast family. I've read your bio, and I would love to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself with the lens and perspective of this episode of I Could Never Do That, because I feel like your life, your family, your story is filled with a lot of people's response would be like, oh my gosh, I could never do that. So can you tell me who you are in that never do that wrong. Yeah. So I'm a mom. I'm a wife. I've been married to Brett for um, 17 years in August. Um, And we have seven children. Um, That starts the question or those words. I can never do that. And we homeschool and we also do foster care. And so we have a little girl with us right now. She's been with us since she was six months old. And She's been with us for a year and a half now. And going through that very stretching uncertainty of journey, I am a victor and a typical trigeminal neuralgia. I've um, overcome that. And 
I'll get into that a little bit later. And we do cross-cultural work where we live now. We moved our family from a 2,400 square foot home on about an acre, five bedrooms, two bath, to a 1,400 square foot apartment in wow. our historic downtown. And oh um, so we definitely live a life of adventure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and part of that is because I've stopped saying I could never do that. Mm-hmm. That gave so, me goosebumps. I don't know why that just like gave me chills. Like the possibilities on the other side of saying, oh, I could never do that. Look at what it's unfolded in your yeah. life already. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is so, that's so a little powerful. About us. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Because it's like one jaw-dropping and shockers the next and the next and you're like this is my life like this is who I am and I get to live into this fully and embrace it was there a aspect of any of those transitions or aspects of your life that you had dug your heels in hard and said no I could never do that like was there something did you grow up saying I want seven kids and to live in a small quarters or be foster care or like was this just like your dream or was there an aspect you're like no nah, no god that wasn't on my bucket list so <laughs> um no <laughs> Actually, um in high school i thought i was never gonna get married and i was never gonna have children and i was going to move to new york and pursue the stage that was my goal um and so that was actually before I became a Christian in, in college. And so I didn't grow up thinking about others. I only grew up thinking about myself. And I didn't really have any other forethought of other than me, myself, and I. And so I definitely hated babysitting. I did not, I did not want kids. And so it was not that I was pressured into having a lot of kids. It just happened to I fell in love and Mm -hmm. when we fall in love we it's easier to say yes to things that we say no to in the past yeah I I could see that I mean that's a that's not an overnight change but like I think a lot of our change in heart starts in our mind so I'm wondering like since you've lived this life hearing a lot of people say oh I could never do that why do you think people say, like, what's at the root of people saying, I could never do that? That's a great question. I think there's a lot of reasons. I think that there's reasons as to limited belief um, of generational. Well, my family never went to college. Why should I be able to go to college? Or why Why would I do that? My family never traveled outside of the United States. How that just, they, just people just don't think about it. And they hear about somebody doing something and they're like, I, I could never do that. For example, homeschooling our kids. We get that all the time. Oh, I could never do that. And it's kind of a, they don't necessarily want to do it. And so that's why they don't do it. It could be they think that they have to live a specific way or they don't want to be outside of the norm. They don't want to have to defend themselves at every turn. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they don't want, they just want to blend in. They don't um, want to stand out. But then then there's pieces of themselves that they're like, 
I feel like my life has more greatness to it than what I'm being right now or what I'm pursuing. And I mean, you watch movie after movie and people are pursuing their dreams and going for the things that they want to go for. And they just like, oh, that would be nice. But then they go back to their normal day-to-day life and and they just don't know how to go after the things that are dormant in their hearts. I think there could be many reasons why people say, I could never do that. And a lot of the time, it's a backwards compliment. Like, oh, yeah, I I wish I could do that. I could never do that. And so you're somehow special because you are doing it. And then it's putting a limited belief on them that I'm not special. They're special. And that's why they can do it. But I'm not. That makes a lot of sense. Instead of just giving you a compliment, like, wow, that is so admirable that you homeschool seven kids and open your home to foster care. Instead of giving a direct compliment, it then becomes, yeah, kind of a separation and putting them yourself down saying, well, I could never do that. Instead of just saying, that's amazing that you do that, you know, because not everyone's calling is to do what you're doing or the next person, you know. That's where we can get in a lot of trouble is trying to pursue things just because that's what you see or you think is success or fits into the box. Or like you said, being in a comfortable place, you know, because our limiting beliefs are there not to keep us small, but to keep us safe and comfortable. Yes. Secure. Yes. Secure. Even that false sense of security, you know, or I'm in control. Mm hmm. And the reality of it is, is that we're not really in control of anything, but we can make ourselves believe that we are if we have these parameters of these boxes that we check or these things that we do day in and day out. And then sometimes in life throws you a curveball and then you're like, oh, I thought I was in control of this thing and I'm I'm not. And then life has a way of bringing uncertainty. We live in uncertainty when we talk about foster care or when I dealt with my atypical trigeminal neuralgia, we lived in uncertainty. And I think that makes people feel really uncomfortable. I also do real estate. I didn't mention that at the beginning, but we don't have a fixed income. We live on commission. Mm-hmm. And I've had people say to me, why don't you get a real job so you feel secure? I feel like they're like, I want to protect you. Yeah. Help their nervous time. system is freaking out for you. And you're like, I'm fine. I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're just like, but you have your family of nine and you live on commission. Like what? And they just can't like it. it it's they're afraid. They're afraid mm-hmm. of letting go of that control and leaning into the possibilities of what like. Yeah. So I think that they're also like, even though there's like a lot of reasons why they say I could never do that. There are three reasons why people who have. Mm-hmm. Dad, I could never do that. Switch the script and start doing the things Same. that they are pursuing or they want to pursue. So there's three different ones. So the first one is that it's a natural bent of theirs, or life just simply came about. To say yes, you mean? Yeah, they, yeah. Because I definitely think there are some people that are much more apt to say yes, especially to like extraordinary things or pushing themselves so is that you're saying that's one of the reasons is someone just more naturally like a yes person 
would that be like a little bit higher risk tolerance? Yeah. I feel like this is not me. You're not describing me right now. Yeah. Somebody maybe who is like a son on Instagram, like they're, they have a multi-period, like they watch YouTube videos of people living in RVs or traveling for business for life. And they're like, oh, I could do that. Mm -hmm. And I, that's something that intrigues me. I wonder how I could make that happen. And so they have a bent in them that allows them to be more free or yes, yeah, seeing the that, possibilities. That's not me. I'm your yeah. typical type A. Like I used to have to know every single step of my day that I have in front of me, and there was no varying from that schedule. <laughs> and then I had children. <laughs> and they laughed at that schedule they're like yeah no we're not doing that and then so because I had children circumstances brought me to a place of having to say yes to areas that I would have originally have said no to so that's the second one is circumstances in life occur and they will cause you to have to think differently think outside of the box um or think in a way that is a problem-solving way. I just with the homeschooling bent, I have this like, we don't actually teach our children how to problem-solve. Like we have a whole generation of people who don't know how to problem-solve. We've just been told that they have to figure out, they have to get to the right answer. Yes. And, um, but they, they've been taught, even if you're talking about math, like this is the way you get to it. And if you don't do it this way, then you've got it wrong. My generation has been taught to not think for themselves, really, but mm-hmm. to just follow the rules. And for a rule follower like me, that's fine. But it too. But for those who are have a bent of like entrepreneurship or problem solving or like inventors, like that was that's a real big struggle. And so yeah. to not be able to ponder or wonder, that's a psych. Sorry, yeah. that was a rapid trail. No, I um, I love that sure. because when you say when circumstances happen. I always say sometimes we choose change and sometimes change chooses us. Sometimes things just happen and we are then faced with either we accept it and like you're saying, navigate with curiosity of, okay, how can I problem solve this unexpected change or we choose the change. And that's kind of that first example you're giving of saying, yes. I'm like, oh, I'm curious. I wonder if I could do this or how I could do it. So I think it makes total sense that Sometimes we're just faced with the change that wasn't on our radar, wasn't on our plan. And now we get an opportunity to say, well, if I could do that, what would I do? Yeah. Little shifts. Yeah. What's the third reason that people Uh, say yes? So the third reason is kind of going back to what I said earlier, I fell in love. So the third reason is we choose to say yes to something because someone we love asked us to do it and we chose to bend our knee to show them that we love them back that we care for them i have a couple of examples for all of the areas and so i want to go back to the first one and just kind of touch on a little bit of something that you had said about making sure that we're not trying to live out somebody else's story Mm -hmm. just because i've had people like oh maybe i should homeschool and Mm -hmm. Maybe they should, <clears throat> but only if it's truly in their heart to do it. They shouldn't just do it because it sounds more noble mm-hmm. than 
alternative option. But just to make sure, like, when you're trying to find out what your yes is or what the thing that you want to stop changing your verbiage to saying, I could never do that, to I want to do that, then just make sure that it's a, your motives are right, that you're not doing it because you want to appear a certain way, but that it's actually something that's in your heart to do. And then if it's not in your heart to do and you want it to be in your heart to do, then what I do is I ask the Lord to cultivate my heart so that mm-hmm. I would be willing to do it. I think that we can so easily, like you said, dig our heels into the ground and say, not that I can't or I couldn't, but I won't. Mm-hmm. And ask ourselves, what are we afraid of? Mm-hmm. If yeah. I do. But in the second one, the second example is that when we have a circumstance or adversity that comes into our life that causes us to have to say yes to something that we would not necessarily have chosen ourselves. No, none of us want to choose suffering, right? No, yeah. like, no, <laughs> but sometimes we have in life trials and tribulations in suffering and how we can sit down and be a victim of it, or we can, we can choose to say, okay, I'm going to be an overcomer in this. I have a kind of a silly one and then a kind of, well, not silly. It's important, but, um, and one that's a little bit more intense. So the first one is actually how my books came about. So I had a four-year-old, a two-year-old and a newborn, and I was watching two other two-year-olds. Wow. It was like right after lunch and right before like nap time. And, you know, kids start hitting and throwing toys and kicking and saying mean things and, and you know it's just the norm and then I texted my husband and this is what kind of launched everything with my books I texted him and I said okay we're going to start having a word of the day and today's word is going to be kindness mm-hmm. and so we started like digging into the fruit of the spirit and so the foundation of character is all about building a foundation of godly character in our children. And so as a family devotional, we all can grow in character. Absolutely. Yeah, forever. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And so it started with like, okay, I can just look at my children's behavior and go, it's circumstantial. They're just tired. They're just hungry. Or I can redirect their behavior to something that would cause them to grow. Mm -hmm. And so I had to say, yes, to being intentional with my children instead of just being like, oh, well, it's kids will be kids. Don't grow like, out of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And in that came the daily study. And then from that came the book. And then okay. from that came the speaking engagements. And so it wasn't a like one day I woke up and like, hmm, I'm going to write a book. Like, I'm so bored with these, you know, all these children under the age of four. Let me do something big. Yeah. Yeah. And that thing that people will probably look at me and say, or I have had them say, oh, I could never do that. Well, it wasn't because I like set out to do it. Mm-hmm. It was because I needed to respond to my children in a vulnerable, growing time in their lives. And I could choose to steward them or let them be. Yeah. I chose to steward them. And what I love about this is that you were embodying the practice. This came from a very personal place. It was a very hands-on place. 
it's not that you sat while they were all asleep and wrote out a whole curriculum. It's more like this living proof of this is what I did. This is what we do as a family. And from that, I want to gift this to other families. And I think there's such a difference in heart and impact when it comes from a place of been there, done that, as opposed to let me just do this thing and create this thing from a distance and put it out. I love that you're really in alignment with your values as a mother, homeschooler, wife, Christian, that it came out just very authentically and beautifully. And like, look at that impact of like you're saying the curriculum, because you have three volumes, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, now it's doing. Yeah. Ooh. As in, yes. like, when I find time in between. Yeah. Of course. But that's amazing. You have another one on the way because that's the thing, too. When I think of I could never do that or I can't, just even just that simple, you could have told yourself, well, there's probably already something out there. Or, I mean, aside from the time part, just as an author, like, one of those things that we can often tell ourselves is what we have to say has already been said, or it doesn't matter, or who cares? Maybe it's just for my yeah. family. And being able to push past that from one step to another, like we'll start in our home and then be able to bring it into curriculum. And I think sometimes if God showed us the big picture, would be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, <laughs> Oh, let's yeah. just start one step. And he's like, yeah, let's just do one yeah. step. And then, or, like, uh, no, thank you. I don't want to go there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that looks terrifying. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I love that example of taking a practical problem. That's entrepreneurship too. Like, here's a challenge. My kids, I want to cultivate character. And then it just grows from there. And you said, yes, that's beautiful. That wasn't a small thing at all. Like writing books is not small. But you said you have another example of yeah. so that chose you. Yeah. So the other example is there was not that long ago. It feels like forever ago. And it feels like it, like sometimes I don't remember that it happened. I still have like a sense of a presence of it on my left side of my face. But it feels like it was a totally different life. Mm-hmm. But um, in 2018... I was on my way back from a junior Bible quiz with my children, and I felt this like bruise on my eyebrow, and it accelerated quite quickly to feeling like I was birthing a child out the side of my face. Like that oh was gosh. how painful it was. And we were like, what is going on? And we went to the doctor, and they, praise the Lord, were able to diagnose it immediately. A lot of people tend to not get diagnosed for years. But I got diagnosed right away with atypical trigeminal neuralgia, which means that I had a pinched nerve in my brain. The insulation around my nerve endings wore off and the nerve that runs my eye and my mouth and the motor that runs those was pinched. And Mm -hmm. I had to make a decision to press on. I had seven months of this pain until we started with medication, went to the neurologist, went to a neurosurgeon who told me that it was inoperable and I was going to have to doctor myself for the rest of my life. It was like seven months of that. And during that time, I could not talk more than an hour a day. I could not read. 
I had to wear sunglasses all the time or a hat all the time. And I was homeschooling my children at this wow. time. Like, How I, do you not talk for more than an hour? Just period. That would be like talking to one child for five minutes a day. Yeah. Oh, wow. And I had to choose to continue on. One of the things that not a lot of people know about the atypical trigeminal neuralgia, but the nickname of it, Mm -hmm. and it was actually spoken over me my first time in the ER by a really bad bedside doctor who Mm. said, well, they don't call it the suicide disease or anything. And I'm like, okay. My husband kicked him out of the room. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's like planting a seed in very painful soil. Yeah. And so I had to make a choice. Am I going to give up or am I going to keep going? Am I going to, in the space of adversity, am I just going to choose to become a victim of this or am I going to keep fighting? Am I going to keep looking? The one thing that got me through was I had heard this message and in the message, the speaker said, when he was dealing with adversity, and his was a head trauma too, Mm. uh, was that I asked the Lord, what do you want to be for me now that you couldn't be before this? Can you say that again? What do you want to be for me now that you couldn't be before this situation came into my life? Mm. And I learned some really big things about the Lord during that time. Because I chose to ask those questions instead of just throwing it in the towel. Mm-hmm. So I even ran into somebody the other day. They were talking about if I was you in that situation, I could have never gone, gotten through that. I would have never gotten through that. And the thing is, it's like, you don't know until you're there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I pray that you do fight. I pray that people fight. I mean, we both have lost somebody too. Yeah. Making other choices in the faces of adversity. Um, and so to just give up, it's just not an option. I guarantee you, listener, that when you do face adversity, you will and you can. You will and you can. Because there are people who love you, who need you to be there. Yeah. Even in your shrunken state, they still need you. And they still love you. They still want you. So you will. And you can. So that's the more serious one. It's so powerful when you say you can't give up. Because we say that right now when things are good. Like, oh, I couldn't give up. But when we have those situations to put us to the test, that's where we really get to learn what that means. And so thank you so much for sharing your story because I know that someone whether they have that specific injury or something else there's someone who is in a place where they're in it to decide instead of I could never do that they're like yes I can and I will figure out how and who I need to be who I need to surround myself with what I need to say yes to. So thank you so much for sharing that part of your story. Yeah. Yeah, So powerful. I think it's really important. Like, I love this whole podcast because of that very thing is like, when you have these ladies come on or when you yourself share the stories of your lives, like it empowers 
others to keep going. It empowers them to continue on and not throw in the towel. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. So the third one, choosing to say yes to something because somebody you love asks you. Yes. And so this one. Shortly after I found my solution for the pain that I was on, I was on eight to hundred milligrams of gamma pentan. The Lord led us to my healing. I'm still healing, but I'm not on medication. And my treatments that I've been doing, I actually just, it had been a year since I actually had a treatment. And my doctor was very, very impressed that it had been a whole year since she had seen me. Amazing. That was just a couple weeks ago, which is kind of crazy. Congratulations. Wow. But right after that, Brett and I have always felt international. We've always felt missional. We've always felt cobbled to the field. And we had been reading these books that encouraged us to remember that we don't become different people when we go overseas. That we don't just magically change who we like. All of a sudden, we're completely different people and totally equipped to do whatever the thing is, is that we're going overseas to do. Yeah. And we knew that one of those things was helping widows and orphans and single moms because we knew that. And because we love the Lord, we chose to start doing foster care. We needed to understand what these children are going through before we're overseas and then learning a different culture, different language, and learning what these kids are going through, which are probably, you know, traumas. There's no comparing trauma. It's a different trauma. These kids here are going through trauma, but over there, it's a trauma that we have less ability to understand. So to understand the trauma that the kids are here, it's like they're stepping stone for us. And so we said yes to doing foster care. I remember the day that we got licensed at eight o'clock in the morning and we got our first placement at nine. Oh my gosh. They're like, okay, we're ready for you right now. The foster care system is so overloaded. We chose to take little ones in because we were familiar with little ones and we didn't want, we personally didn't want anybody older than our daughter, who was our oldest daughter. And so we accepted the younger ones and we said no to the teenagers. And again, it's not that we would never, but it wasn't something that the Lord had like said, hey, I want you to take a teenager and we assess every single situation. And I think that's important. Um, Well, and and like we've already said earlier, sometimes it's just how can we put our toe in and start with the first step? So it's not that you'll never have teenagers, but right now this is the first step or where you're best equipped, ready, available. So I think that what's a first step is always a good place to start. (laughs) Yeah. And so now we're the honor seventh posture placement. Wow. Yeah. We just have one at a time or, oh, you said two. We did have a couple at a time. We had like an eight month old and a 16 month old. Wow. (laughs) But it was only for like a week because that was the like length of the placement. But but the one that we have now, we've had for I, almost a year and a half. Wow. And we want to adopt her, but we, again, are not in control. Mm-hmm. And that we have to be okay with that. Which means that sometimes when we say yes to something, we might have an outcome that maybe 
isn't in our eyes favorable, mm. but it, in God's eyes mm. is exactly what we needed to go through for our mm. future story. Mm. Okay. So trust I in that process. Oof. Yeah. I know that either way, if this little one stays with us, there's probably going to be a lot of training and a lot of counseling because she was exposed to math in the world. And so there's going to have to be a lot of redirecting, a lot of work that goes into that. If she gets placed somewhere else, then our whole family is going to have to go through some healing because yes. it's just not Brett and I who've been attached to her. It's all of our children. Yeah. And so talk about like loss of a child, like that's what it would be like, loss of a sibling, loss of a child. And so are we willing and yielded to not control the outcome? Like trust the in being obedient. And so in, in bending our knee because we love the Lord. And so a lot of people are like, oh, I couldn't have her do foster care. Well, God didn't ask you to do foster care. God asked yeah. us to do foster care. Mm-hmm. And so oh, yeah. don't just because it seems noble. Do it yeah. because somebody who loves you asks you to do it. And that's where mm-hmm. we can, even with our spouses, like I was homeschooling the kids for 10 years and I loved homeschooling the kids. But my husband came home one day and he said, I feel like God is asking us to switch spots. And I said, mm-hmm. I love my life. Yeah. But I love you. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll pray about it and we'll work through it. And we switched. It's homeschooling, you know, when I'm doing real estate. And, uh, but now oh, we're kind so of So that's how it came out of, you know, we don't always say yes because we have all the time in the world. I yeah. think that's, the the thing that keeps us saying I could never is thinking, well, I don't have time for that. But how many examples of saying yes because we're curious, we're feeling nudged, or I always say like if you have something planted in your heart, if you have a desire in your heart, it's there for a reason. So when you're following that or then someone you love, because I'm also thinking of the person listening that's like, I don't have a partner or a spouse or family or kids. But there's some person or group of people that is pulling at your heartstrings that can also be that yes to exploring that more or stepping into that support. Yeah. And so I, I think that's such a beautiful reason to say yes and let that cultivate. I like that you use that word, like cultivative, a, a new desire from a place of love and not fear. Okay. Yeah. And I think that. I, if we're being directed by that in all areas of our life, then we can't really go wrong. Yeah. So like choosing a career, I have a lot for serving people in this certain demographic or in this certain area or in one thing over another. Go after that. Yeah. After. Exactly. Because it's a great motivator. So that kind of transitions into like, how do we fan that flame? Yeah. Uh, so for the person who's like, I'm not always that yes person, but I want to say yes to extraordinary, yes to my story, yes to that thing that's been nudging in my heart. How like how do I do that? What are those things that will help move towards yes? Yeah. How do you unfold that your story in your heart? Like, so first thing is dream. Play the what if game. Ooh. And we're, we're good at the cool. what if on the negative side. So I'm guessing you're thinking the what if on the positive, positive side. Also, so what if? Yes. I love leaders who do this. 
with their team. And I love teammates who say these things to their leader because it's like a way of not like crit- being critical towards their leader, but like saying, well, what if we did it this way? Or what if we tried it this way? And it's, it's a positive spin. So when we were considering moving downtown, we said, what if we had the kids come and look at it with us? And then they liked it. And then I said, like we said, what if we just put it in an offer? And just dreaming. What if, let's say you wanted to start a YouTube channel about traveling with your family. Yeah, what if? <laughs> what if you just took a vacation together and looked for opportunities for travel hacking? Yep. Just in our own personal, because it benefits us. Yeah. And then what if we shared that with the world? Mm-hmm. Or our close friends who will follow us and then they'll share it with those people <laughs> and then I'll share it with those people. And the, yeah. so what if? What if? Mm-hmm. So dream. Mm-hmm. And if you have a spouse, please don't dream alone. <laughs> dream <Yes. yourself. laughs> Because if you all of a sudden you've been dreaming for like a year and then present it to them, they'll be like late to the party and it feels very abrupt. So yeah, I agree. Like start from the beginning. So good. Read stories of people who have done what you want to do. Autobiographies, biographies, watching movies, whatever. Like read those stories in one way or another. Become a lifelong learner. Don't stop learning. I actually taught myself how to do a Rubik's Cube. So really? actually <laughs> that's a fun thing. Like, what if I can learn yeah. a Rubik's Cube? Yeah. The crazy thing is like that's such a silly little thing, but it unlocked this, like, if I can learn a Rubik's Cube, I can learn anything. That's what it comes from for me. Yep. And it's so silly, but I, I learned it. And so now I feel like now I'm asking myself the question. What? So I went to college for sociology and I actually left before I got my college degree. And I was like, what if I just started reading sociology books and maybe not got my degree, but educated myself on it. And then like, I can learn it. I know it's a bent in my heart and it's to work with cross-cultural people. Like, why not? So being a lifelong learner. And then letting your character be shaped, which is a huge part of saying yes. So uh, we're at family camp. I told you that before we started, but I'm at family camp with my family. And I don't know if you've ever heard of her, but Susie Larson was here. She does podcast family, faith family podcasts or something like that. I should pay attention more. (laughs) She was talking about a dream far off. And while you have a dream far off, you think about that dream and your character needs to be cultivated in order to get to that dream. So if I wanted to be a foster parent, I had to go through training. Mm-hmm. There's a certain training that you have to go through. You have to show up to the classes. You have to learn things that you wouldn't normally go out and learn in your own personal time. Mm-hmm. And you have to ask yourself questions about yourself and what you really believe. I've always stood on the belief of the person that is best suited to raise their child is the parents. That was challenged. Yes. Doing foster care. Did I really believe that? Mm. And so my character was being shaped. And so when we let our character be shaped, we become more apt to say yes to things that we would have said no to them in the past. Yeah. And then 
be ready for adversity. So then Susie talked about when your dream is coming up, an up and coming dream. You're on the edge of it. Your toes are like right on the edge of it. And then all of a sudden you're like, I'm scared. What if I can't do this? What if I got this wrong? Maybe I heard you wrong, God. Maybe I misunderstood my spouse when they said they wanted to do this thing. What if, what if I fail? What if, yeah. like, out of back on that negative side? So we got this what if on the dream side and what if on the negative side. So the what if on the far, far off dream, and then that what if changes into fear when yeah. you're on, on it. And you have, to, you have to step over your fear. You have to push past that fear. So you will have adversity and just be prepared to have adversity when you're trying to go after the thing that you want to go after because the enemy wants to come steal and destroy. Mm-hmm. It's so much so, easier, it, not easier, but it's, it's better if we can just anticipate it and be like, oh, I knew I was going to have some kind of problem. I didn't know it was going to look like that, but now I can. I knew you were coming. It's just, it's a little bit better than being blindsided. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, adversity, what? So I love that. Just anticipate it. And step over that fear or through it, just knowing that that dream is still there for you. It's just, here's the obstacle that you're anticipating. Because it kind of goes back to the purpose of a goal is not achieving the goal. It's who you get to become in pursuit of it. Yeah. So that character being cultivated, that adversity that's coming, you're like, I'm ready for you. I've been waiting. I, you know, I'm here for it. That grows us. No matter what the outcome of that goal is, it's who we get to become in the process is so beautiful. And we get to um, change those. I could never to, holy cow, I did that. Yeah. You know, it's and so fun. The third thing that she had said was a dream realized. Yeah. And when you have a dream realized, you have greater faith. So then the next yes that you say is easier because mm-hmm. you already that hard thing. Yeah. You know, you could do it. Kind of like we're thing. Yeah, exactly. I could do it. I knew I could do it. I know I can do it. And I can do this other hard thing because I learned that I could face this adversity and I could overcome these limited beliefs. And I moved past that and I became who I needed to become to get this far and that my life is not over. So there must be much more to go for. So once you start saying yes to these things that have been laying dormant in your heart, you will find your life will never be boring again. Mm-hmm. So you'll never feel meaningless again. But you may feel angst. You may feel tension. You may feel stretching or uncomfortable. But all of that just is proof that you're growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those growing pains. Or being sore after a good workout. It's like, yes. oh, here's the proof. I'm growing, getting stronger. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So this is such a good conversation because we're always going to, at some point, find ourselves saying, I could never do that. And now we have this new lens or frame of if, if I find myself saying, or even under my breath, I could never do that. How can we get curious about those things that we are pushing away? What is that inviting us to explore? How is it wanting us to grow? And to your point too, is sometimes I could never do that is more empowering to say that's amazing. Like give the praise to the person, give that compliment and say, whether you say it out loud or not, just like I choose, that's not my story or I choose not to do that is more empowering than letting that fear block and say, I could never do that. And I was like, 
either have a choice to explore it or recognize that's for someone else. And so I love that you're such a beautiful example of what's possible. And I appreciate you sharing so vulnerably about your health too. I know that it is meeting someone that's in a challenging place as well. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kiri-Ann. Yeah. Yes. So I love to end all our conversations with two questions. The one is what has been an impactful book that has helped you in your journey to where you are today? I actually, so I'm a big fan of our podcast. So I've been like, from the beginning, from the beginning. Thank you. And so I have been actually thinking about this answer. And the book that I'm reading right now, it's called Missionary God, Missionary Bible. And it's written by Dick Brogdon. He is the president of Lift Debt, which is a mission sending organization. And I think the big piece about this book is that it helps me recognize that my story is part of a bigger story. Mm-hmm. So my story is not just for my sake. My story is included in a bigger story that my belief is will bring hope in life and help to a world that is hurting. And so it's a 365 devotional and it's really been helping me to stay humble and also dream at the same time. I will link that in the show notes. I love that our story absolutely matters and it is so interconnected. Like what we choose to say yes to is a ripple effect of empowering someone else to say yes to their story and their self. So thank you for sharing that um, book. And then the last question is, what confident action step would you like to leave with our podcast family? I would say two. Okay. The first one would be start dreaming. So this next five minutes is the best five minutes that you could possibly do where you pause and you reflect on what was you just listened to. Okay, where am I not dreaming that I need to be dreaming? What are the things that are laying dormant in my heart that we're not promised tomorrow? So let's try to, let's do it today, right? So start dreaming and then learn how to reverse engineer. If you have a dream, sometimes it's hard to go like, okay, but how do I get there? Well, what is the one thing I can do today? Yes. So for an example, I want to learn how to do a Rubik's Yes. Something small. Okay, well, how can I learn how to do a Rubik's Cube? I don't have a Rubik's Cube. I'll go play a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> that would be a great first step. <laughs> and then, okay, well, find somebody who knows how to do a Rubik's Cube. Yeah. Okay, how do you find that? Oh, yeah. YouTube. You yeah. can find everything on YouTube. You can learn everything on YouTube. For sure. Everything. More things than you even need to know. <laughs> yeah. It's everything. Go learn it. Learn the steps. And then eventually you'll be able to do a Rubik's Cube. Yeah, so looking at the first step, like reversing it though, of what would a Rubik's Cube expert solver be doing or thinking? Well, first of all, they have a Rubik's Cube. So that is a great first step. Just thinking that bigger goal, vision, dream. Mm-hmm. Who is that Erica? And what is she thinking? What is she doing? What is that little habit? That's a great confident action. I love that. Or writing a book. Mm-hmm. I want to write a book. Okay, well, let's reverse engineering that. Go back to the beginning of this podcast and watch and listen to the first five episodes. 
Well, thank you. That is a good one because the first five are my aligned author process and breaking it down. So I didn't even ask you to say that. So, <laughs> but I mean, that's, and I, and I think, I think like I thought about that reverse engineering because I think I've heard you say that several times. Mm-hmm. I think that we get to the point of like, oh, I want to do that thing, but I don't know how I can get to it. And then we just let it go. And we don't yeah. problem solve. We don't reverse engineer. So learn how to reverse engineer. I love this. And starting small is a great place to start. Yes. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Carrie Ann. Yeah. I will link everything in the show notes and I'd love to know where can people connect with you and find you um the Pollard Drive we are on Instagram and Facebook so love we also got a blog the Pollard Drive blog okay I will get that link and put it in the show notes so Pollard is p-o-l-l-a-r-d correct yep Pollard Tribe I love it yes please follow along with their adventures everyone I love when we can get a peek into each other's families and life and happenings. So I love that you share your adventures on Instagram and Facebook and then your blog. Awesome. Thank you so much, Carrie Ann. I have loved catching up. Thank you so much for everything you shared. And I hope that everyone that's listening, that you really consider what you've been saying. I could never do that and see what possibility is laying behind it and is inviting you in. So thank you so much. Please tag both Carrie Ann and I on Instagram. Tell us your biggest takeaways. Tell us what you are going to be saying yes to. And um, we'd just love to hear more about your story. So until next time, have a lovely week. Bye for now. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for listening to What's Her Story. I love spending time with you. Now, I'd love for you to subscribe rate and leave a review because I love hearing from you. And if you found value in this episode, share it with a friend and then come hang out with me on Instagram at Erica Akingboye. Be sure to check out the show notes. I've included all important notes and links, including how you can get the latest free download that is exactly how to use your story to create social change. I'll be back here next week and hope you will be too. See you there, friend.